Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. And I want to continue what I was talking about last week. Um, It caused a stir, a blessed stir, in many of you. And in so doing, I, I, I will inevitably repeat something, but only slightly. What I want to do is to go into greater detail of what this means, that we are passing through life in terms of journey. What it means that we're now in a season of life, and those seasons have a beginning, they have an ending, they move into the next season, even as these journeys that I've talked about, they intersect, they join another journey, they go off, in their own way, and it's, it's, it's so vital that we as believers understand the nature of our journey. Just to, there's not really a text, it's just to show you how these persons of the Bible understood this concept of walking through life as a journey. Just, just to show you, in Psalm 9, and verse 9, he, he is saying, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. And I, I think we can relate to what that means, the oppressed. Well, it says, The Lord will be a refuge, a refuge in times of trouble. And that word times is the one that we've been looking at, times. It's a word that we could translate as every moment of life, but more specifically, a period of life, a journey within life, a season. Um, and he says that he is a refuge in these seasons of life, in these journeys that we pass through. Same idea in Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Notice that trust in him at all times, in all the seasons of life, whatever those seasons, whatever effect they're having upon you, this is the opportunity to trust him. Okay, now hold those. As I say, they're not necessarily a text, they're the background. This idea that gripped the minds of the persons in the scripture that they were passing through times. Not all times are the same. And so he said, at all times, all kinds of times, whatever's happening to me. But now, where I want to emphasize um, this week, and they're, they're verses that you might not have considered before, at least not as I'm going to talk about them. 
In Matthew chapter 5, you've got what we've called the Beatitudes. The moment you call a passage of Scripture like that, you miss really what it's talking about. Um, But there you have in the list of all the blessed, blessed, which incidentally that word means joyous to the point of you're going to explode with joy. It means a joy that others will envy you for having. Blessed, oh joyous man, oh man beside himself with joy, blessed ecstasy of divine joy resident in you, joy that will cause you to be the envy of all who behold you. Quite a word, isn't it? Blessed. But then in verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then um, in verse 22 of chapter 6, still in the Sermon on the Mount, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is single, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye... Now, that word, um, if your eye is... uh, Some translations have evil, but... The actual word there is folded. You know how you take a a blanket and fold it, or any piece of cloth, and fold it together. So instead of being a single line, it's now double. And and so if your eye is folded, if if your eye now, you've you've got double vision. It says if your eye is folded your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Okay, I'm going to get to that's the center idea of what I want to be talking about. The fact is, every person now listening to me, you and I, we are in the middle of a journey. Maybe some of you are starting a new journey, things are all topsy-turvy and you you wonder where the bottom is, you feel you're floating and being carried by the currents, but a journey is beginning for some. Others, a journey's ending and you know that everything that you thought was forever sealed and delivered is now beginning to move and you're not sure. You've seen too much to stay where you are. And like it or not, a new journey is being begun within you. Um, every, every one of us, we're somewhere in there. We're either in the middle of a journey, a journey's beginning or a journey's ending. Or, or to put it this other way that I've used the term season, a season of life is upon you. At the time of this recording, we've just begun... Uh, fall here in the USA and and, and I mean it was it's not a big deal but enough they, they mention it um, on the TV when they give in the weather forecast that last Thursday I believe they said a fall is beginning and and they said it would be 9.40 in the morning that, that we would fall would begin that is Everything had moved to to this point where suddenly 
we're going to begin to notice changes in the atmosphere. We're going to notice changes in the color of leaves and grass and so on. Fall has begun, a new season, and we're leaving behind us the blazing heat of August and July. And, and, and it's, it's new, it's fresh, a new journey. And that, of course, will gradually come, and they'll say one day winter is beginning, another season. And right now, and I must emphasize this, I'm not talking theory here. I'm not saying, no, you know, it could happen, it might happen, perhaps. No, we're in the middle of this. I, I'm, I'm talking to you from the middle of journey. I myself, at this time, now, I'm aware of a, of a journey, actually, that is beginning, something, an area that I've never been on before, um, and a journey, company, my wife is with me on that journey, and others that I'm close to are affected by that, it's a new journey, I'm aware of it. Um, others, you're, you're in the middle of a season. You've almost gotten used to it now. We've got a comfort zone going on because it's the way things are and have been for some little while. Yeah, you see, we're there, every one of us. And on the surface, now this is where you've got to really start listening. On the surface, or you could say the scenery of the journey the way the leaves turn in the different seasons, what the, the, the outward scenery of the journey, well, that's the place you're living. It's your neighborhood, it's your house, it's the rooms in your house. That's, that's where this journey is taking place. And of course, in many respects, has an effect on it. Um, it, it it's the place you go to work. It's the office, it's the factory, it's your school, it's the college you're in. Um, it, it's not only your job, for some of you, it's your career. And it's, for others, it's your calling. And here you find yourself, this is your journey, this is how you're looking at life, and this is how the things that happen around you have sort of a center to them. In fact, it's, it's all the events of life. They're all part of the leaves and the grass and the flowers of your journey. Everything that happens in your life physically, and everything that happens physically, maybe not to you, but it affects you. All the material stuff of life. It's all part of the scenery of the journey. Your, your finances right now, um, it's all part of your journey. You'll one day look back and say that that was the time, you know, when we wondered if we had two, two dimes to rub together. It, it, it's your finances. Or it might be that you look and realize that you're, you're very prosperous financially. Um, your relationships right now, all the way from those you work with and count as friends and those that you count as trusted persons in your life to those you are immediately related to, your husband, your wife, your children, your father, your mother, they're all part of the outward of the journey, which includes, of course, all the trauma and that which we would call tragedy, the horrors of life, it's part of the journey. Can't close your eyes to that. 
it's 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 all of that but I'm trying to, it's it's the change of that so we could go through that same list and say maybe you've just changed neighborhoods maybe you you've just moved to an apartment from a house or something like that or you've just got a new job or you've just changed school even changed classes within school there, there are new persons in your life it's all part of this journey and within all of that stuff that's outward there are those other those invisible currents of life that drive life in many re- the pressures of life that we feel the pressures the, those invisible gatherings of things and people that that pressure us and in the same way that which is challenging we've been offered a challenge offered an opportunity it's it's those times areas of life where we have gains or losses where we seem to step forward at other times seem seem to go backwards the the joy and the sadness life that's life you say life is not an abstract life is all of this the these happenings in life is life and that's the scenery of the journey it's what the seasons look like ah and this is it and this is what you've got to see the true journey the real season that's taking place right now is in terms of what God the Father and Son and Holy Spirit are at this micro moment doing in your life in all of that that I've just described that's I say again it's the scenery please understand that because there's a whole lot of people and you've been taught it I'm sorry but you have but you have you've been taught that the will of God is a destination you know, you, you've probably got to go to a malarial swamp in Africa and give your life away. Well, that's the will of God, they say. It's a destination, going someplace, going uh, to work at some place. Is it the will of God? Is it the will of God? And we become obsessed with this thing. That, that is, it's like a, a freeway. And, and for goodness sake, don't miss the exit, because if you do, you'll be in the permissive will of God, whatever that is. And if you if you miss it, then you know how it goes. No, it's not. Forget all of that. All the the place you're in, the job you have, the people you're with. Inside all of that is the true journey. Your journey might have led you from one side of the country to the other. It might have brought you from a, a, a job in McDonald's to now being the CEO of a company. It, that's all outward. It's all outward. It's all the scenery, the leaves and the grasses and the insects and the flowers of the journey. The real journey. Are you hearing me now? The real journey, the real season is to see what God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is doing now in my life. 
And that's what it means when it says in Proverbs 3, in all your ways acknowledge him. The word ways there is akin to what we're talking about. The word ways means the pathway on which you tread. In, In fact, in those days, the path was made by treading. And so the two ideas are together. You're walking. The path wasn't put there a long time ago. You make the path by walking on it. So he is saying, as life unfolds, you're making a pathway. You're putting footprints into history. Now, in all your pathways upon which you tread, acknowledge him. That is, be ever watching for him, because therein is the meaning of life, the purpose of life. Therein is this vast um, treasure trove that we read of in the scripture of a joy and a peace that passes human comprehension. Herein primarily is the love of God poured out into your heart and so on. That's the real journey. That, that's what we're looking for. Um, or as he said, and we, we used this one last week in, in Psalm, was it 39, where he, where he said, I recognize my times are in his hands. That is, these seasons of life, these uh, moments that I'm now presently walking through this journey it's in his hands and therefore if I want to know what on earth is going on I must acknowledge the fact I'm in his hands he's a vital part of the journey in fact he is the journey if we've got eyes to see it and that's why we can according to Psalm 34 bless the Lord at all times In all seasons, in all moments of the journey, we give blessing to the Lord. Bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Because I've realized there's, you see, do, do you understand? There's more to life than where you live. More to life than your address. I know that impresses some of the folks you work with, poor souls, and another address will make them despise you, but addresses are neither here nor there. And and the job you have, um, well, whatever it is, there's a bigger meaning to life than your job, you see. And and that's what we're getting at. There's, there's a journey within these physical, material journeys of life. Now, why do I say you have to watch for that? Because... The scripture declares us blind. And it's not just something I could give you, I don't know how many quotes right now um, that describe that. You know, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe. Ephesians talks about this, this blinded, ignorant mind of mankind. We're blind. And we stumble and we're going around in circles. We don't know who we are or why we are. We don't have any idea of the meaning of life. And this is described by another word in the Bible, flesh. It means I'm trying. It's a futile try. I mean, do you understand? The futility, the pointlessness of this life. 
of trying to find meaning and purpose in my flesh, in my mortality, to have my eyes turned inward to seek meaning and purpose to life here, now, in my flesh, my nerve endings in, well, you know, we've talked about it before, but actually, as far as the flesh can, that's reality. Please underscore that. See, the flesh isn't going around saying, I'm blind, I don't know who I am, what I'm doing. No, no. The flesh believes it can see clearly. It has got vital knowledge. In fact, um, it seems the further away it gets from truth, the, it, the more it believes it's seeing clearly. And whenever it sees a person walking in the love of God, he calls them narrow. Have you noticed that? <laughs> no, we're really screwed up there. No, the flesh is narrow. It's, it's, it's in an imprisonment. It's in a false reality and a reality that's futility that will bring you around in circles tripping over yourself blind to the real truth and the, therefore the real reality what is the reality of the flesh it is looking at these circumstances and persons see it doesn't see beyond that it's, its life is bound up in these outwards it's bound up in the color of the flowers and the leaves and the stones on the way and it, it sees nothing beyond that. And it sees these circumstances that happen to me and the persons that walk in and out of my life sees them only as they affect me. I, I, I sum up my relationship to them in terms of how they are feeding into my agenda, my idea of what life is about feeding into making me more equipped for my journey than as I see it. Do you recognize right there is what flows out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Of course, we could take a long time to talk about that, but very simply, bottom line, tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it describes life of those who believe the lie the lie that you shall be as God read this in Genesis 3 so once they believed the satanic lie they ate of the tree and that act was the final act of shrugging off relationship with God to establish a relationship with the lie and the liar and out of that spewed like a river of vomit the knowledge of good and evil you say what on earth's wrong with good and evil well think about it good and evil good evil it's, it's the tree of separation. The first humans, as they came forth from the hand of God, did not know anything about separation. Life was seamless. 
life was a whole, for God himself filled all of life. And therefore all of life was together like, like a, a giant put together jigsaw puzzle. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil brought in the illusion that I'm going to judge life by me. I, I'm, I'm now the absolute and I determine that's good because it makes me feel good uh, and it feeds my agenda of what I call life. But that's evil because it doesn't make me feel good and it, it doesn't in any way feed my agenda of life. And so I go through life. I said, that's good. That's evil. That person's good. That person's evil. That, that person will be good for me. That person's no good for me. And so I accept that person, I reject that person. And if they keep on coming, I'll spread malice and gossip and slander. I'll get rid of them because I don't want evil. So I'm drawing circles, inclusion, exclusion. You're in, you're out. You, you, you don't talk right, so you're not with me. You're the wrong color, so you're out. I only have these. You see what I mean? Good, evil, good, evil. It all came in because suddenly human is in the center of his universe and everything is determined by me. Separation. Division. And so an event is determined. That, that's good. I like that. Makes me happy. That's evil. That's a bad. We had a bad day today. Bad day. See, because it didn't fit what we thought it should. And those people, we reject this one. We accept that one. We love some. We're indifferent to others because they have no importance to us. Others we hate because they are seriously getting across our past. Some we envy because we want what they've got. Others we are malicious toward and we gossip and slander because we want them shut up. We really want what they've got, but the best thing we can do is try and get rid of them. Do you see what I mean? And if you notice this, whatever we define as evil carries with it the energy of fear. We are fearful of what we perceive is evil. We perceive evil, whether it be in an event or person, persons, as some energy seeking to ultimately destroy us. And so we fear it. We fear it at various levels. Um, but we fear evil. We do. And do you realize that every negative emotion that we have in life has its roots in fear? Fear is the hallmark of the lie and the darkness and this separating stuff off. And so we go through life and we have words like anxious and worry and fear that pretty much define most people's lives because it seems we're always anxious about something and we're stressed out about something else and we're afraid of this and we're worrying about that. And behind it all... We're so afraid because remember we think we're God and we think we're in charge of life and we've got to make good as we understand it happen. 
God? Oh yes, God, God. What about? Well, God's out there somewhere, and the m- most uh, Western persons, anyway, say when you say where's God, they say up or over, um, and, and and so this remote God, where he, if you if you bring him in at all. Um, which the flesh will do in a very religious way, that they describe him, he's really part of the evil. It's true. Don't, don't be shocked. Most persons believe that God is really part. He's the spoiler, you see. Because if anything goes wrong, it's God. We even have it written into our insurance programs that, that if anything really goes wrong, well, that's God, an you know, act of God, you see. And so he's seen as the great spoiler. We went having a great time, and then God threw this at us because he's good. He smites us, and he hurls his evil at us. I mean, you want a picnic? You can believe me. God's going to send the rain. Probably a thunderstorm to boot. We're always the victims of this God who upsets our lives. And then, uh, and I found it's, it's creeping, creeping, maybe it's rushing into the vocabulary of us Westerners. Karma. Karma? Karma? That's, well, what's that got to do in your mouth? Karma, that means you get out of life what you put in. It means that you will be repaid, eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It's coming your way. And because we believe that uh, fatalism, that then something happens karma, you see, it's coming back to us. We're being punished. And if we think of God, he's against us. I suppose I'm giving something of a caricature, but it's pretty close to the truth. And then we define our lives by events. Something happens and you say, I'm done, I'm finished. See, I went bankrupt, that's it. Lost my house, that's it, finished. Divorced, that's it. You see. And we sort of put a stamp on ourselves that... The, we're the, we're the divorced one. We're the, we went through bankrupt. We're, we're finished. We're done. We look at life and we, we, we actually say it. I can't be happy while this is going on because this defines me. And so we say these silly little phrases like, I'll be glad when this is over. Watch what you say. Are you saying you cannot know gladness? You cannot know God's joy until this season is over. Huh. So then your circumstances control you, define you. And I, I've mentioned it before, didn't I? You know, she makes me angry. Really? You were having a nice drive, and then some idiot driver, he ruined your, what? Not only the whole rest of the trip, but even in the evening time at home, you were miserable, angry because of what he did on the roadway? Boy, you, you, you obviously don't have any control, any sense of your identity that you can be kicked around like a football by anybody that passes by. You know, the shopping clock, the, the one who rang you up in the supermarket and they were nasty to you and then upset you, I don't know, for how many hours. See what I mean? We're defined by circumstances. We let happenings 
be like the fingers of a sculptor and they're making us. We hate our job because of the other people we have to work with and because of a supervisor. They ruin our day. She's a pain in my neck, you know. Look, the real journey of life is not this continual reaction to what's happening. No, please hear me. I mean, hear me good. Because it's revolutionary. This is a new normal to say that I am not controlled by circumstances. My life is not shaped what he said, she said. I, I don't I don't get a tweet or a text message that shatters my peace and leaves me in a state of horror. No. And no, we don't live in reaction to all of that. We don't, we don't bounce off events like a rubber ball between two walls. I say it again, we see, and I mean see with inside eyes that have been open to the truth, we see that the God who is love and can never be anything else, he is love and that love is now at work in this season that I'm walking through this journey and at this moment, the God who is love is pressing upon me his love, his comfort, his care, his wisdom, his guidance. He would nourish me with his promises. In this moment, he would reveal to me something of who I truly am. That only this circumstance could bring me to that point of that discovery. And he is seeking that his love in me to me shall now come through me to these persons who are part of my journey. Ah, oh, now this, this is what the journey is about. As I said, I think last week, it's more like a treasure hunt that I'm, I'm discovering in these hard rocks of circumstance I discover the gold of God's presence I discover the rubies of the treasures of his love, his kindness, his goodness his gentleness his patience to me, in me, and then through me you end up transforming the circumstance, don't you? now let me put this in here. It is possible that our understanding, it's, it's, it's come in with everything that some persons understand by Christianity, but it's the idea, you, you hear it, and I, I'm hesitating because I don't want you to misunderstand, but there's this idea that I invite Jesus into my life. And you see, I know what you mean by that, and what you, I believe what you mean, I affirm that. But it's, it's the language you see and what it does to our heads. 
we do not invite Jesus into our reality because our reality is flesh reality. That, that whole thing I've just been talking about. I don't invite him into that. That's one great chaos mess of illusion and darkness and futility. But many people do. They invite Jesus into their reality, believing, and this is the kicker, you see, they believe that he is going to enhance their reality. He's going to give strength to the good. And he's going to make me very happy. He's going to come in. And so you hear people pray, and even testify of their prayers. They, they, they will say concerning things that are happening in their life, their prayer is, take this away. Come on, God, take it away. I mean, don't... I, I mean, maybe it's my position in life that I hear a lot of this stuff, but people are actually, they're praying, please God, take this away. Make it not happen. Make it stop. Or if you're in a situation and, and you're in this separating business of the flesh and tree of knowledge, good and evil, you, there's us and them, them, and them's evil, them's is. And, and so I believe now God's on my side. You see, I invited him into my reality, so obviously he's with me. And, and so now defeat them, bring them down, we pray. Not, not only stop it, but give me new circumstances. Make, make it a happy life for me. Let it be good. And now, instead of a general good and evil, such persons will look at life and define it as God the devil. You know, I'm not criticizing, I'm really not, because these are the people that the Holy Spirit deals with every day through this ministry. But I'm, I'm just pointing out that we go through life, we say, well, that's God, that's God. And then we say, well, that's the devil. You say, that's the devil. And don't you see what's happening? You've, you've separated life. And so it's, it's God. No, it's the devil. And it's amazing how often we change. You know, in the morning it was God. By nighttime we're fighting the devil. Um, something terribly wrong here. I don't find that in the New Testament. We go off, you see, and we're, we're rebuking stuff, rebuking. And we do it in the name of Jesus because we believe he's joined us in our reality and he sees this evil and he sees this good. And so it's right that now in his name we rebuke the evil. <laughs> I, I had a friend, oh, decades ago. And uh, my friend had just discovered there was really a devil at work which I believe there is incidentally and and so he because he saw it very clearly he, he now started casting devils out of everything and I will never forget this lady came and she was sick and, and um, so 
that was, I mean, he brightened up at the idea and came at the poor lady, you know, casting out the demons and rebuking the devil that he believed was uh, a sickness. And I was there when a few months later, lady came, same lady, and she carried a baby and put it in the arms of my friend. She said, I'd like you to know that was the demon you were trying to cast out. Yeah, the poor lady was going through morning sickness in a pregnancy, and my friend assumed it must be the devil. Do you see what I'm saying? There are many things in life that we're trying to cast the devil out when God is actually birthing something in us. No, you don't invite Jesus into your reality. He doesn't come in to tweak it and make you have a gooder life. We are invited by Jesus to bring our lives into his reality. And that is so radical change. The Bible calls it repentance, which means a radical change of mind and thought to exchange the mind of the flesh for the mind of Christ. To be invited into his reality is the end of our reality, which was an illusion from the get-go. Invited into his reality to see life as God sees it and to see what's happening in terms of his agenda. That's it. They call it Christianity, by the way. That's the gospel. And I begin to see, wow, it is so big. Do you understand this is? And I've now got a sort of partner in my good and evil life that's going to give me more good than evil because he's all-powerful. No, no, no. I am now translated. The Bible uses that term in Colossians 1.9. It says that this salvation is, is being picked up and placed down somewhere else. I'm now suddenly seeing life through the eyes of Jesus and to realize it's, it's not what I thought it was in fact I see it says Christ is all in all Christ is all and that's in Ephesians 1 what is it 22 I think um, and just prior to that it says that he was raised and all the powers of darkness all the principalities the powers the demonic is under crushed under his feet and now it says he is all in all do you get that he's everything that every situation needs and he is present in all he's not just what a sort of an appendix to life he is all in all Paul caught that when he says for me to live and remember live is all those happenings we talked about it says for me to live is Christ 
rather than say I share a bit with him and call on him when I'm in trouble. No, he says the whole of life, the happenings, the pressures, the challenges, the opportunities. He said, I realize he's in every one of them. And he's the meaning to them. In fact, didn't Jesus himself say, I am the way. He says, I'm the pathway. I'm the journey. And he's not just pointing to it over there. We're joined to him. And he is our life in all the journeys of life. So you see, that totally, radically changes how I look at life. I don't see the circumstance. I see through it and recognize that he's at work here. He's revealing himself a Holy Spirit. Give me the eyes to see that I might realize, I might know him as I never could in any other situation. Let me know him here and now. I said I was going to get to a text, didn't I? We've been getting to it all the way along, actually. Blessed are the pure in heart. This incredible joy, gladness that belongs to those who are in Christ. It belongs to those, it says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now, I've got to ask the question, what does that really mean? The pure. What is pure? Pure means essentially unmixed. You know, if you have pure milk, it means it hasn't been mixed with water. Actually, you could carry that to a lot of things. <clears throat> when we affix pure, it means this is the real deal. There's no mixture from some other element. It's pure. Um, go, go through your supermarket and look for that word pure and it always means this has not been mixed so joyous to the point of exploding with joy are those who have an unmixed heart that is your view of life is not mixed you're not seeing good evil good evil you're not fighting the evil and trying to make it all good. Good as you understand good. Nor are you saying, well, that must be God. That's the devil. That's the devil. That's God. What a mix. <laughs> what an unholy mix. Do you ever have a good night's sleep? I mean... No, blessed, oh man, to be envied for his joy is the one that has an unmixed heart. When he looks at life, what does he see? He sees that God owns this moment. That God is in this moment through the Holy Spirit. He is here. He is now. To do what? To reveal his love to apply his love to be love in you 
to bring you, elevate you, to be a lover with his love to the persons in this part of your journey. And of course, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love, God love, there's no fear there. God is not. Can you imagine a God who's afraid? Uh, God does not dread. God is not timid. God, God is not holding back, uh, wondering, frustrated, terrified that something's going to go wrong. God is love. In love there's no fear. And therefore, I'm, I no longer fear what I perceive as evil because God is love, and God is love to me, around me, under me, over me, in me, through me, in the midst of this moment. That is, my core self has caught the vision. I no longer have this double vision. I can't making up my mind whether this is God or the devil. What does it say? A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Not just the thing you're thinking about. This affects all your life, what you haven't even thought of. It's unstable. Well, I mean, if you had one leg shorter than another, you know, it's, this is God. No, this is the devil. This is God. This is the devil. Unstable. Watch it, chap. You need help. Or as the scripture says in Proverbs 3 again, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding. What your flesh thinks this is about. It thinks it's about you. So it's good. It's evil. It's God. It's the devil. No. Don't, don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Ask the Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see, Father, through the Son, the Holy Spirit here now. So you see through what is happening to what is really there. You're not a person who looks at things. You look through them with a wink. For you recognize this is God's circumstance. This, is a, this arena is the place where he reveals his love with power which feeds into that second scripture that I read if your eye is single that is if you don't have double vision I mean have you ever had double vision? For, for certain few hours once in my life I had double vision and it's crazy uh, I mean you can't focus you, you can't get on with life because everything is, is double and that's what this verse is talking about and if, you, if you've got folded eyes double vision it says then the darkness will fill your body you won't you won't understand what life is about. You'll be stumbling all over the place. But if your eye is single, that is, you see one. And you see that it's God. This is not a contest between God over here and the devil over here. The devil was crushed at the cross. 
And he never was God's equal. It never was that kind of contest. He was the skulking terrorist in the bushes, but he was never God's equal. He's just a fallen angel. That's all he is. Maybe the greatest power in the terms of created, but he's been stripped of authority. His headship has been crushed, and Jesus Christ is Lord. And so, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in my life now, you are all in all, and in this event that's taking place, you're revealing how beautiful you are. You're revealing your glory the face of Jesus Christ do you get it pure heart single eye single minded this is going to take time to sink in you see I know that because we have been brainwashed for generations to think in terms really of the tree of knowledge and good and evil and that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians, and it, it scattered through his letters, but specifically in Ephesians, for believers, he prayed that your eyes might be opened, that your eye, you might be flooded with light, because we, 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 this doesn't happen in a moment. This is part of all journeys. My journey is a journey into clarity. It's a journey into seeing the treasures hidden within the circumstances and the pressures and the people, even the tragedies. This is the place, this journey, this season, the real season is I'm meeting with God in a way I couldn't meet with Him in other seasons. I'm receiving His grace as I wouldn't have been needed in other times. I'm receiving promises from His Word at this moment that I've never needed before, never thought of before. And then we... Psalm number one says we bring forth fruit in our season. That is, whatever season we're in, there the fruit of the Spirit is revealed in us and through us. So you see, we don't sit back whining out of our flesh pseudo-reality saying, why? Why is this happening to me? Why are you doing this to me? No, we're sitting there and we are realizing, we're acknowledging, we're remembering into the moment. He is love and he's my father. I'm his child. Therefore, he's my identity. He is all in all and he fills this moment and he fills the circumstances and the peoples that are in this moment. And they don't know it, but I see that through Jesus Christ, by His Spirit. And so my question is, what are you doing, Father, in this moment? What, what, what is it that you are seeking to show me concerning yourself? What is it that you are elevating me into living at a new level because of what I see of you? What strength, what love, what kindness, what goodness, what gentleness are you now birthing in me through your Spirit 
in response to what's happening around me? What is it? What are you building into me? What fruit of the Spirit are you producing in me because of all this that's happening? What provision to nourish my soul are you providing for me? What what promise is it that is <laughs> it, 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 it's woven into this event? Because that's all I choose to see is you. It's all I choose to see. I, I don't I choose I don't I don't say we got need. I choose to see we've got supply. See, this is the tree of life. If that double vision is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, this is the tree of life. And of course, Jesus said, I am the life. So he is that fruit of the tree of life. It doesn't say the tree of life and death. That would be another division, wouldn't it? This is the tree of life, seamless. Where all things, all things are but the conveyors of his love. All things are the place of his revelation and his glory. All things. So let me say this. He doesn't necessarily change the circumstance. That's what we expect, you see, when we would invite him into our reality. The only thing we can think of is, this is evil, Jesus, you've showed up. Now turn that evil into good. Thank you. You see, that's... No. What he does, I would say he does it to begin with every time. He shows us this through his eyes. He shows what love is doing. He shows what he will be to us in this situation. And there are times, believe me, when in that union realized, we become in him the what the 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 ways in which this is changed but when, to look at it through his eyes to look at it through his love to bathe in his love and in his total absence of fear is to see the situation entirely different it's entirely different to the way we thought it was we no longer define our lives by the circumstance but by him and you see, because the will of God is not just a destination, oh boy, how that has ruined people's lives. It's not a destination, it's a person. The will of God is a person. The will of God is a right at this micro moment where you sit with everything that's happening. Where, what's he doing in this? Because he's the will of God, you see. He is, he's what he wants to be to you. He is what He wants to cause you to rise to become. He is what He wants you to be saying and thinking and doing and acting in this moment. That's the will of God. I, I said it last week and it really helped some people. Let me underscore it. I, I find to understand what I'm talking about... Um, that little gizmo you carry with you when you go on a journey... Uh, GPS, I think they call it. You know, and, and as I said last week, we, we've got a chatty one. <laughs> um, 
it's a lady, <laughs> the machine is, I mean, and uh, she chats, and um, I, I, I can't imagine how that thing works, but she, she will map out the journey ahead, that's where we're going, that's, and, and nine times out of ten, somewhere on the journey, we take a wrong turn. Once we, we took a turn inside a shopping center parking lot, and three times the little gizmo said, okay, I see now what we've got to do, turn right, turn left. And then again, we made a different turn, trying to get out of the parking lot. And, and the answer me, I, I see, now we've got to take... It didn't matter what we did, that little gizmo said, okay, we begin the journey from here. We had tried to begin it from there, from there, from there, but we got messed up, that's okay, now we'll begin here. And I thought, you know, if a little gizmo connected some eye in the sky can be so kind and so gentle as to say, it doesn't matter, you've made five wrong turns in a row, but it, we, we'll keep on starting the journey from where you are. The Holy Spirit is infinitely beyond uh, such a system, but he that's how he works. You, you, you do it wrong, and you know you did. You, you made a mistake. You got all messed up in this flesh stuff. And, and you know what you've been told. They say, well, you missed the will of God. You, you took the wrong job. You made the wrong choice. The Holy Spirit said, okay, I see what you've done. Well, let's start the journey from here then. This is where you are. You can't put off the Holy Spirit. Wherever you are, there in His infinite gentleness and kindness and forgiveness, He starts the journey afresh. He's going to bring you to be conformed to the image of Jesus. It doesn't matter where we start from or how many times we start over from where we are. Do you get the point? And that's why it says in everything give thanks. You're not thanking God for these situations as they are in their solid form. You're looking through them and you are seeing this incredible God who's bringing about his plan and his purpose and in everything you give thanks and you can have a joy that makes no sense to the world. No sense at all because there's no circumstance that makes it happen. You have a peace that passes human comprehension. You're not afraid because perfect love casts out all fear. And we bless the Lord at all times because we are pure in heart. We have single vision. This is where he's leading you to walk with peace, equanimity in life. And as Joseph said, you know, he didn't live in the brother's reality. Do you follow what I mean? The brothers kidnapped him, sold him to slavery, and curtains, it's over, he's gone. That's the brother's reality. And Joseph, all those circumstances were happening to him. He didn't deny the circumstances, but he said there's a bigger 
reality here. You meant it for evil, but God took your meant for evil and means it for good. And he transcended slavery, imprisonment under false charges. They threw away the key and left him to rot. But God pulled him through the door and made him prime minister of the world. Saved the world from starvation. You know the story. There it is. And I said, as I begun, so I end. You are now on a journey. Right now you are in a season of life. It's now taking place. It's been taking place while you listen to this. Takes place in your home, in the hallways, in the living room. This is is where you're at. I'm not talking about a possibility. This is where you're at. Takes place in the aisles of the supermarket. Takes place in the parking lot. Takes place in the school, college classes. This is your journey. This is your season. And I pray that the Holy Spirit shall open your eyes. That you may become pure in heart and single vision. And realize this is his journey. He's in it. And you're experiencing it in him. And he's experiencing it in you. And he's bringing forth his love. And you overcome all the evil of life with good. So I bless you. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that you shall plunge into life with eyes wide open to the adventure of discovering this incredible God in all of the outward circumstances of life. So I bless you. That's the way it is.